Bruce Wayne. I'm Batman. Yeah, that's right. That's him. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? Or what she said to him? Or he, he started off, he said, all of this, all of his billionaire lifestyle, he goes, there's really more to me underneath. And Rachel looks at him and says this, it's not who you are underneath It's what you do that defines you. I want you to hear that again. It's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you. She's got a lot of nerve talking to Batman that way, doesn't she? He's Batman. Okay? For the rest of the day, you're going to be going through your head, I'm Batman. (laughs) And everybody's going to know that you went to Connection this morning and they preached on Batman. Okay? But it's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you. It's not about all the things. Now listen, Bruce Wayne, the billionaire. In the comics and the movies of Batman, Bruce Wayne is a billionaire on the outside, but he fights crime behind the scenes, and nobody knows who Batman is except him and a couple other people. But it's not all about the things that you know. It's about the things that you do with what you know. Does that statement scare you? I'll say it again. It's not about the things that you have here, that you know. It's taking that process from what you know to doing it. Does that scare you? Does that intimidate you? To a lot of people, the answer is yes. You mean I have to actually put actions to my thoughts? That's what God says. We're going to be in James chapter 1 today, and I'm going to say a couple more things, but as you turn there, uh, if you go to the very back of your Bible, last book's Revelation, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and 1st, 2nd Peter, uh, then it should be James around there. If you get to Hebrews, just back up a book. Oftentimes I think fear, 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 what will others think, what will others do? Oftentimes I think fear keeps us away from doing the things that God wants us to do. Whether it be a fear of, man, I can't do this right. Whether it be a fear of, I can't do this as good as someone else. Maybe that fear comes from your family. You know, you're, you're just not going to be as good as your sister at this. You're just not going to be as good as your brother at this. Sometimes... Fear gets in our way of doing what God wants us to do. Some of you are sitting in your pews thinking this. Holy cow, Matt's going to talk about God coming into our life and challenging us to do things like this. I want you to go home. I want you to sell your truck, sell your car, sell your house, sell all of your belongings, and I want you to move to Zimbabwe, and I want you to live there for 30 years. Oftentimes, that's the only way that we think that God calls us. Huge, big, radical, out there. We think in our, in our minds, the only, the only thing that we think about is, God, I'm scared to do this because you might send me to China. I'm not saying that God doesn't do that. I have a friend who taught a year and a half of conversational English. Yes, that's really a thing. He literally was a, he's a music education major from Greenville. And literally, he went to China to to teach at a university conversational English. He literally would talk with them for an hour or two hours at a time, learning learning the English language. And oftentimes, now he's back here now, he's teaching over at Edwards County, but his, he came to me, he goes, man, I'm scared. He goes, no, literally, God's sending me to China. (laughs) And he goes, it's a long way from home. And now... I'm telling you this to say this. Sometimes when we read the scripture, first of all, that's how we have to, that's, that's the only reason and the only way that we can even comprehend what God wants us, to, what wants us to do. It's getting in his word. See, all of this message, no matter what we do or where we go, everything that we do here today, this morning, is going to point towards Jesus. It's going to point towards you have to make a decision. What are you going to do? You're going to sit on the bench? My, my dad used this. He goes, you're going to sit on the bench or you're going to play? 
My dad used that with me all the time, and it wasn't just about sports. Are you going to get involved? Are you going to do what you say you're going to do? But I think a lot of times today, we as Americans, we as people that live in this country, are too comfortable. How? I know. We're too comfortable. Listen, we live, in, we live in a world where you can go to a McDonald's restaurant, and if you're inside looking at the driver, drive-through window, you can see a big red clock. And it's how fast they can get people through the line. It's all about quickness. It's all about comfort. It's all about, man, I don't even have to shut my car off. I just drive through, I get food, and I leave. And they do it as fast as they can. My aunt, her occupation is she's a transporter. She drives um, a van and she takes Amish. Amish people can't, they don't drive. So she transports them and they pay her per trip or mile or whatever. And she takes them often out to Pennsylvania to see their family for reunions or whatever. And they come back. And she posted on Facebook this. If you think that we're not comfortable, I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. She put a picture on Facebook. See me afterwards and I can show it to you. We now have in America drive-through funeral homes. You can do a drive-through visitation. If that is not the unbelievable definition of too comfortable, I don't know what is. We can't put even jeans or a nice t-shirt on and walk into a funeral. No, drive-through. See, we're too comfortable. So any, any thought that goes against that comfort automatically strikes fear in all of us. Matt, I want you to do this. God, are you sure? (laughs) This is a little out there. He goes, well, it's not like I asked you to go to China. I said, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oftentimes, it's that fear. I do believe that God calls people to do radical things. We're going to talk about a guy in the Bible this morning that was called to do very, very radical things. He was one of the first ones to do it. When you're one of the first people to do it, you're considered radical. First person to climb Mount Everest, I have no idea why they would do that, but he did it. He did it. I think it was he. Was it? Okay, perfect. So this guy, like, I'm going to be radical. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to climb Mount Everest. Whether you believe that we landed on the moon... There were people that have been in space. We're not going to talk about the moon. There have been people that went to space and come back. Some people would argue that with me. It's all about conspiracy theories. It's all about the unknown. Well, if it's unknown, we just question it. Can't have the faith to believe it. That's another sermon. But I believe that God calls people to do radical things. The early church started with radical people. Watch this. They were a byproduct of a radical man. If you're affected, if you are... If you are affected by that radical man named Jesus, there's going to be people in your life that think you're radical. I cannot believe that your church gives money to go to Jumpin' Jimmy's. You have people from your church show up and you give away gas money. And you give away gas. This does not make sense. You guys are radical. That's just a way to share our love. But yet some people say... That's even so far out of my comfort zone, I'm just going to consider you radical. That's wild. That scares me. But this is what I also believe, especially in this church. I believe that God calls people radically, but I also believe that God calls people from connection, watch this, radically to do the small thing. God calls people in connection not to go overseas to other countries. That may happen someday, but I don't think right now. God calls people in connection to be radical for Him. Yet we're not traveling across the ocean, but we're doing stuff here. You guys are, you guys are weird. You're radical. You're buying gas. I can't give away turkeys. You give away hams. That's money you could be putting towards something else. We are putting it towards something else. We're living and loving radically. The woman at the well was a Samaritan woman. Jews, like Jesus, and Samaritan people did not exchange Christmas cards. 
It's kind of like going to somebody's house who's a Packers fan and you're a Bears fan. You guys don't chat much during the game unless it's smack talk. Okay? If you're in the book of James, we're going to go to the first chapter. We're going to be on verse 22. We're going to have the words on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, you can look there. Verse 22 says this, But don't just listen to God's Word. I believe that it's very important to listen to God's Word. To listen how it's spoke. To listen how it's lived. To watch how it's lived. Because in God's Word, the foundation of this whole radical movement, Jesus, God, the Bible... This is where we hear truth. This is where we hear the truth. Now we can put on a fake facade in front of everybody that we want to. And we can show whatever image we want to. But we, un- we have to understand this. If you look in this for your reflection, it is not going to come out necessarily how you want to. Because if you look in truth to reflect, if you look in God's word to get it to reflect You, God's word is going to say, Matt, you have a problem in this area of your life. It's going, it's not going to reflect the image that you probably want to see. It's a convicting message. It's a message that speaks truth. This, this book speaks truth, but we can't just listen to God's word. This is where our knowledge comes from. Now watch, we're going to do a lot with knowledge this morning. Please hang on. This is where we hear truth, being with God's people, being in the Bible, going to connect group, being involved. This is where our knowledge comes from. Watching someone do it, being mentored, going to a connect group, getting in church, getting involved, reading the word on your own. This is where our knowledge comes from. You guys are going to be an analogy for me today. I don't mean anything negative by this. This is an all positive message, but I want you to do this. You, I want you to imagine yourself whatever color that you want. I want you to imagine yourself as a sponge today. You're a sponge, okay? The rectangle kind. They come in different colors. So if you like pink, you can be pink. If you like yellow, you can be yellow. But you're a sponge. And when you go to Connect Group or you sit in Bible study or you sit in worship or you read your Bible at home or you truly get into the Word of God and get truth, what you're doing is you're squeezing the sponge, and whatever, whatever liquid comes out, of, comes out of church, you're putting yourself in there, and, and when, you take it out, when, you go, when you leave church, you've taken. You've soaked up the knowledge that God wants you to soak up here, and you leave. Or you go to connect group, and you, and you leave. Are you a sponge? I want you, I'm, not, I'm not asking for answers. Are you a sponge that just soaks up info? And you let your life evaporate that water? See, here's, what's, here, here, here's the sad part of the story. Some of us want to come in. Yeah, I want to go to church. That's what we do. I want to learn. So we come in, or we go to connect group, and we want to learn. And we come in, and we squeeze out our sponge, and we, we soak up all the water, and we leave. But this life that we live every day, might as well be the sun. Because you know as well as I do, the first day that we go back to work, if you have to go back to work tomorrow morning, the first thing that Satan's going to want to do, he's going to want to put things, he's going to want to like just grab that sponge and he's wanting to dry it out. See, if you don't do anything with that water in the sponge, it doesn't stay there. It, it doesn't. Unless you put it in the freezer, and some of you are going to be that legalistic with me on this. Unless you put it in the freezer, and the fr- watch this, and the freezer is plugged in and working, and some of you are going to go there, you're going, oh, Matt, you can do this and this and this. Listen, well, you can freeze it and take it into space. Listen, I'm not talking about that. No legalism here. I'm, talk- I'm saying, if you put that water into your sponge, and you go and you leave this, and there's nothing else that you do, your water is going to dry up. That's why people say, oh, man. I like Connect Group because it's kind of a, kind of a pick-me-up in the middle of the week. Why? Because your sponge is not wet. It's all gone. It's all gone. God wants us to be that sponge that is, watch this, soaks up in church, leaves church, 
enters the real world and you do this. And you ring it out on the world. Whoa. Radical. That's different. That scares me. People are going to, when I start talking more and more about this Jesus guy, my friends kind of do this. My family does this. Listen, Jesus told his disciples, he said, hey, there's going to be people in this life, there's going to be people you come in contact with that you're going to think don't like you. And I want you to understand this truth. It's not you that they don't like. It's me that's in you that they don't like. You're different. You don't just go along because that's what the world says. But God wants us to be that sponge that comes in here and goes. And right after this, if we leave and we go to lunch, God wants you to do this onto your waitress. You know, I've come into a practice of this. And if you go out to eat with me, this might embarrass you. I have found that this is probably one of the number one outreach tools that I myself have found. And it's nothing new. See, I go eat at El Rancherito. Or I go eat somewhere. Somewhere that it's a sit-down restaurant and you have a waiter or a waitress. And they come up to you. You take your order. Hey, how you doing? First of all, you need to act nice. <laughs> act nice? How about the, We always complain. Well, they're just not a good waiter. How about you be a good customer? You go in there. Listen, they've probably been on their feet for eight hours. You're always in a good mood after you come home from work and you've been on your feet for eight hours, right? This lady comes up to me and she said, oh, I'll take your order. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want, uh, I want this and this and this. And, uh, I just have water to drink. That's fine. And she goes, okay. And as she turned away, I said, hey, miss, I don't know your name. I said, is there anything I can pray for you about? We're going we're, we're gonna to pray before we bless our meal. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Do you, do you know that I've probably only been turned down the, the complete number of times that I've done that, probably three times. Or somebody say, oh, there's not really anything I can... And they're just kind of fear. Ooh, radical, weird. Public place. Most of, them, most of them do this. I say, can I pray for you? And they... My kid's sick. My grandma's sick. Such and such, such and such. Because you come into church and you soak up. If we're going to be a missional church, we, we consider connection to be a missional church. Listen, if you're missional, your church doesn't exist within these four walls. Doesn't. You go. And you take your sponge, and whenever you see that opportunity, you just go. And you'd be amazed. It goes on in verse 22. It says, you must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourself. Big word. Obey. You have to do what it says. You must obey what it says. A question I do not want you to answer. Answer in your mind. Do you put into action what the Bible says to do? Or you just come in, soak it up, and leave? Are you being, if you've been in, I'm telling you, if you haven't been in a connect group, you're missing out. Are you doing what you were created to do? What, are you fulfilling the purpose that you were created to be? I, I cannot wait for tomorrow night. Why tomorrow night? Tomorrow night's when I go to connect group. I know what the next lesson is going to be. I can't wait. I love this. We're learning what God has created us to do. We're to be those sponges that leave the church and go, whoosh, there should be people at your work go, he or she is just different. Not weird. They're just... They don't get rattled at things that I would get rattled at. They have faith that everything's going to work out. Have you put into action what you've learned? Paul writes to the Roman people. He writes this. In chapter 2, verse 13, he says this, For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in His Spirit. It's not listening. Now, Paul is writing to the Christians in Rome. These people understand. They have a knowledge of who Jesus is. They get it. He said, listen to this. Listen to me. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right. It is obeying the law that makes us right in His sight. 
He is challenging them. He is encouraging them to do this. He's wanting to live out their love. Live out their love. He's writing them so that they know what they are to do. You ever had something come on in your life and there's a decision and you're like, man, I just wish that I would know the right answer. I was approached by a young man this week and he said, I just don't get this next step. I, I know what I'd like to do and I'm just, I'm not there. We, I think we've all probably been there. I don't know what you're going to do, God. And listen, this guy's seeking to do what God wants him to do. And he comes to me and he said, hey, Now watch this. This is a question that repeats. He goes, do you remember a couple years ago when I didn't really know which avenue God wanted me to take and we talked? I said, yeah. He goes, I need to do that again. I need to talk with you again about that. I need to get, I need to get more knowledge. You see this? He's getting more knowledge. He knows, he knows, not because, not because Matt is a super person, but because he's come to me before and he understands that I helped him through a problem. He said this, hey, I'm going to bring my sponge over here. I need a little bit of, uh, I, need, I, need, I need you to pour something out for me. You get this? He needed me to pour into his life. So I met with him. And I said, do you remember what we talked about in your, in, in your life a couple years ago? Yeah. And I reverted back to a scripture that means so much to me. 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I told that young man, I said, if you do whatever you do for the glory of God and you seek to do what God wants you to do, I said, here's a special cool thing about God. If you do that, you can't miss what he's created you to do. You can't miss it. There's promises you can't miss. You can't miss. But Paul is writing to these Christians in Rome and he says, listen, I want you to live out your love. I want you to know. I want you to remember what I taught you. Remember, I want you to, listen, remember when you brought that sponge into when I was teaching and you soaked up that knowledge. You remember what that knowledge was. Take it out and squeeze it on somebody. Unfortunately, unfortunately, this is what has happened to believers today. If you have your worship handout, there's a space to fill out some blanks. Unfortunately, this has happened. Today we have a surplus of knowledge, but we have a deficit of obedience. Oh my goodness. And the bad thing is, I can say unfortunately, and you're sitting in your chair going, yeah, See, we know, every, we know things that they didn't know 10 years ago. We know things they didn't know 100 years ago. We know things today in science, in science world. We know things, some things today that we didn't know last week. We are a creation that knows. And some of you have experienced 15, 20, 25, 50, 60 years of church. And you have this surplus of knowledge. And some of you say, well, I didn't become a believer until I was older. So this really doesn't, this doesn't affect me. You have life experiences. Some of you have experienced things in this life that you could put into other people that haven't. That, that happened to me. I mentored a guy and he said, hey, you've been a Christian longer than I have. I was 20 years younger than him. And I said, but here's the cool thing. You teach me because you've experienced things in life that I haven't. Soaking up that one day when that person gets put in my life that has had this situation, I could say, hey, a very reliable source, a very good friend of mine shared this with me and I can help them. See, you never quit. It's not just in church where you use your sponge. But today we have a surplus of knowledge, but we have a deficit of obedience. I say deficit 80% 80% of the people that are over 35 or 40 years old in this room are going, well, our country has a deficit. Yeah, we do. Our church does too. I'm talking not connection. I'm talking the church. We have a deficit of obedience. I'm scared. It freaks me out. I don't know. God, you're going to send me to China. No. All God wants you to do is soak... Up here, go to Cracker Barrel and encourage a waitress or a waiter. That's the type of stuff that God wants to do. 
People that give of themselves. People that seek to do this. I want, I want to tell you this. Today we have a surplus of knowledge, but we have a deficit of obedience. But there are people that are choosing to do this. And I get to be on a team that involves people that do this on a regular basis. And if you don't think that it's making a difference, please talk to me after church. I have seen people's lives physically, emotionally, socially changed by putting the Word of God into their life and having other people pour into them. But when you do this, when you pour out on somebody... See, I wanted to go home. The other night, I got that phone call from that young man. He said, hey, I need to meet you. Can you meet me in the church parking lot? Okay. It was just, I was, I was out anyway, and it was short for me to come here. I said, sure. I had been at work. It wasn't convenient. I wanted to go home and see my girls and my wife. I wanted to watch Shark Week. Some of you are laughing. I know some of you watch Shark Week. Some of you have it all DVR'd. Some of you do. I wanted to go home. I did. And I said, God, this is really not convenient. Do you think they could have called me tomorrow? I'm not joking. That was my attitude. But I said this. I stopped and I said, okay, God, here's the deal. Not like I'm telling God a deal, but I said, hey. I said, I'm not, I'm not doing this for me. And I'm not doing this for the young man. This was my prayer. God, give me the words you want me to speak to him. Because I've been where he's been. And I didn't know that next step. Give me the words to tell him. Don't let me think about what it's like to be at home in my recliner, eating chips and salsa, watching Shark Week. Because in all reality, that has no eternal repercussions. This does. I said, God, send me. You want to pray a scary prayer sometimes? Please pray this. God, I want you to send me to somebody. You think you're bold? You think that? Try it. I'm not saying, hey, I'm a super person. I'm saying, hey, it wasn't convenient. This is, this is inconvenience. I want you to picture this with me. I'm in my living room. Some of you have been to my house. Some of you have not. But I have a recliner. And it's mine. <laughs> and this part of my body has its own grooves. You understand. It fits you. Right? We all have chairs like that. It fits me. It's like this. Cross my legs. I had made an awesome snack. I had chips and salsa. I had sweet tea. The girls were playing in their room. Mary was working on something. And I'm like, I have the living room to myself. And you can't say that out loud because if you say it out loud, what happens? Yeah, they come in. <laughs> People with kids get me. Okay, here. But here's the, here's the thing about convenience. I'm watching And you know, I can't even hardly hear the TV because I don't want anybody to know it's on. (laughs) And you're laughing because you've done this. And this is is a big deal. And I'm I'm watching there and I get about halfway through my chips and salsa. I'm like, man, this is great. Thank you, God. I get get a rest for about, you know, it's about 10 minutes. I'm watching Deadliest Catch. This is season finale. And I'm watching it, all of a sudden I hear, I already know what the sound is. It's a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And they're coming to take over my living room. I said last week, they've got a new show, right? Phineas and Ferb. I said that last week. That's their favorite show. <laughs> so if the, TV, the TV's right here. Emma and Lydia walk in, they go, uh, what are you watching? And I go, it's deadliest catch. You wouldn't be interested. Trying to say, hey, go back to your room. I said, you wouldn't be interested. My girls have no desire to know Sig Hansen, the Northwestern, and catching uh, Opelio or King Crab in the Bering Sea. They, they don't care. If you haven't seen that show, that was completely Greek, and I apologize. If you've seen that show, that makes sense. So they come in. And Emma has to know this. She has to know that. She lets Lydia ask. Why? Uh-huh. She goes, Dad, can we watch a TV show? And the first thing that comes to my mind is this. You want to watch Deadliest Catch? And, and, and they go, no. Like, it's just this. 
No. So I say, uh, I really am not in the mood to watch a fairy show or anything about Barbie or... And then Lydia, uh, again, she goes, we can watch Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> now, this has a point. We watch a Phineas and Ferb show, and I said, hey, I'm going to watch... And I, I teach him this. I said, we watch one of yours, then I'm going to watch one of mine. Okay? I'm, I'm teaching in this. Hear me out. So they go back to their room to play. I'll have a little bit of salsa chips left. So I got some sweet tea, and I'm like, volume down. Watching Deadliest Catch. And play. Minute 11. <laughs> Mary. <laughs> now, I want, you to, I want you to understand this. Now, Mary, Mary is a phenomenal partner for me in this life because Mary will sit there on the couch and she'll say, hey, I'll watch Deadliest Catch with you. Please hear this. Please watch this. But I'll take the Wii remote. This is what we have our Netflix on. And I'll take the other remote. And I'll put them. You can ask her this. And I'll put them on the arm of the couch by where she sits. And then I'll get the Wii remote and I'll go on Netflix. And I'll go to Once Upon a Time. <laughs> and I'll push play. And I said, no. I said, I'll tell you what. I don't need to watch Deadliest Catch right now. I said, you, I said, you pick. We can either watch Big Brother or we can watch Once Upon a Time You Pick. And, and we sit there for the next hour. I said, hey, I said, we've got an hour and a half till I'd like to go to bed. I said, we don't ever get this time together. I said, the girls are they're asleep. I said, let's just watch some TV and hang out together. When knowing she would let me watch Deadliest Catch, what I, what I choose to do is this. Listen to me. I'm trying to show my family that I'm not the most important person in the room. We have a surplus of knowledge, but we have a deficit of obedience. If I practice this, it's this. Girls, go play in your room. I'm watching Deadliest Catch. It's my turn. I haven't sat down all day. They have no comprehension that I teach 160 students a day. No comprehension at all. They don't understand what dad does at work. They don't understand how hard mom works, staying at home with them, getting things ready, doing laundry, doing dishes. I appreciate her so much. So how do I show that? I show her that I'm not the most important person in the world. And I'm not the most important person in the room. She is. So I put it on once upon a time and I push play. Now some of you, some of you are like, I wouldn't do that. The remote control at our house is like a king's scepter. It's mine. Not at mine. She means more than a remote control to me. So this is what we do. We show the world, we show people that we are not the most important people in the world. Some of you get this. Some of you understand this because you come in here and you vacuum. I saw people of this church come in here and vacuum this floor so when you sat down it was clean. And they washed windows and they cleaned bathrooms. When I let Mary watch TV or I let my girls watch TV, what I'm wanting them to understand is every time we were with Dad, he let us watch a show. Not they've watched TV all day. There's, there's, there's different stipulations to this. But he showed us that he wasn't the most important person in the room. We were. That's what we should do. Everywhere we go. That's how the love of God is magnetic. People that could impact others with their knowledge, but they don't. Listen, people. We have a surplus There are people in here that could teach me so much about deep, deep, deep biblical truth. There's people in here that could teach these young youth how life happens and how they got out of it and how God basically allowed them to exodus that thing in their life and they got to leave and and they got to just experience how good God is. James 1.23, he goes on, he says this, For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You're just listening again. You're coming in, you're soaking up the water, you're going out and left, and you're just letting life evaporate you. Listen, here's a nugget of truth. This life will run you down. This life doesn't want to evaporate the water out of you. This life, this life Satan, 
anything other than God wants to take your sponge, put it on the road, and run it over with a Mack truck. They don't care. It's all about you got to get yours, and you got to get yours, and you got to be successful. At no point in time do they ever say, I'm not the most important person in the room. It's all about them being that person. None of you would glance in the mirror and run out the door to go to work. Now watch this, what he says. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. Now watch. I want you to think about this with me. Ladies and gentlemen, you're getting ready for work. I want you to... okay. You completely blacked out your mirror in your bathroom and your bedroom, wherever you have mirrors. No more mirrors. So you get up from bed. If you're like me, there's the coffee. You don't have to push the coffee button because my wife is so awesome. She sets it the night before. So when I'm in the shower, I hear, smelling coffee. Man, I love that woman. I'm taking my shower. And I get out. And I go put my clothes on to go to work. No mirror. And I'm like, hmm, 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 hmm. I get ready, and I go out to my truck, and right before I get in my truck, as I'm getting ready to leave, and I have to leave right now or I'm late, and there's a little side mirror, I go, okay, I'm good. Watch what he says. If you listen and don't hear it, if you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. None of you, I don't want to say none of you, many of you, including myself, would have a drastically hard time getting ready to go to work. Getting ready to go anywhere without a mirror. I know what you're thinking. We care about our appearance. I think it's absolutely fine that we look good. I don't necessarily see that when I look in the mirror myself, but God wants us to show our appearance. But watch this. We care enough about our physical appearance to go to work that we check a mirror every time. Now, I counted this morning. When I got up, I went to the bathroom to brush my teeth. I brushed my teeth. I looked in the mirror. I got a shower. I changed clothes. I came back. I looked in the mirror. I went and ate breakfast. I came back. I used the bathroom. I looked at the mirror. The mirrors are everywhere. But do we care enough about our spiritual appearance to do that? Do we look in this mirror as much as we look in a mirror at our house to do our hair? Well, listen, my hair, lack thereof, whatever, going away, whatever. My hair has no, no, no eternal significance. But if I would check my spiritual self, if I would look in this mirror, God would say, man, I, I'm so glad you came and talked to me, man. I think that's what he says. He, talk to him in the morning. Oh, man, I'm so, man, I'm so glad you came and talked to me today. How are you doing? In all honesty, I think that God rejoices about us coming to talk to him. But that's the mirror that we should use. Do we care about our spiritual appearance? Do we sit in church and just hear, or do we seek to practice it? Yep, I'm good for church this week. Check. Living and loving like Jesus has no comprehension and no significance next to a checklist. Otherwise, there would be no way. There would be no way that I would have even met with that guy the other night. No, man, dude, I got to go home. I check that off. I'm done. We look into different mirrors. Oftentimes, the mirrors that we look at are not the ones in our bathroom, but we're looking at our, at our family, so they tell us how to act. We look at our coworkers, so they tell us how to talk. We look at our kids so they'll accept us instead of being the boss that we want them to be our friends. In the worship handout, it says this. We need to do, we need, I'm sorry, we know what we need to do, but we ignore it. Sometimes we do not like what we see in the mirror. And I'm not talking physically. Talking, sometimes we're scared because when we go to Connect Group or we sit in church and they bring this truth out, this word out, this word of God, this holy, holy book. I don't really necessarily like what I see. It's convicting. Matt, sometimes it's painful. I don't like that. (laughs) The Bible will reflect truth. 
The Bible is not what your family's going to say. It's not what your coworkers are going to expect you to say. It's not what your kids see. The Bible reflects how God, watch this, how we're created to be. I'm telling you, if you're following along with Connect Group, God created us to be. This is the mirror that takes you there. Nothing else. If you listen to what your family says about you and you comply and you're so in your, in your codependence, and yes, I can talk about that issue because I am, that I want to fix myself and mold myself to where they accept me, that is not what God says. God says, you look at me because I'm holy. You look to my word because it's true. You compare yourself to that, then I can teach you how to go squeeze out your sponge on someone. In James 1.24, he goes on, he says, you see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. You come in, you soak up the water, you leave. You come in, you soak up the water, you leave. It evaporates, it evaporates, it evaporates. There is no change. You're doing insanity. And I'm not talking about the workout. Because if you do the insanity workout, there are, there, it will show results. That's a workout. When you practice insanity, you do the same thing over and over and over and over and over. And some of you are like, no, I don't. Some of you have been doing that for 15 years. Over and 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 over. Suck up water, leave. Suck up water, leave. Suck up water, leave. Suck up water, leave. No squeezing. Suck up water, leave. There is no change. If we look into the mirror of God's word, we will be made aware of how we need to make that change. God, you know, I'm not good at squeezing out. I want to be better at that. Guess what? So does he. He wants you, man, he wants you to just dive in and know him so much. Watch this. He goes on in verse 25 in, in the book, in the first chapter of James. It says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law, the perfect law, God's word, that sets you free, and if you do what it says, ah, squeezing, squeezing yourself on the others, showing people that you're not the most important person in the world, in the room, when you show love and compassion, and don't forget what you heard. Listen, obeying is not just having the knowledge. Obeying is not just having the knowledge. We have a surplus of knowledge, but we have a deficit of obedience. Surplus of knowledge, deficit of obedience. The world needs us to have a surplus of knowledge and a surplus of obedience. You work with people every day that need to hear this. You work with people every day that need to have a sponge squeezed out on them. You live next to somebody every day that needs to have encouragement. It says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Huh. You hear what Matt said? We do what God wants to do. We go out. God's going to send me a check for 25 grand. I didn't say that. I'm not into that. I don't think there's any reason in the world why that is even a... God has taken care of me in times where my finances didn't make sense on paper. That's a God thing. God can take our money, and if we do a really good job with our budget, I've seen God stretch our money. I've seen God do things in my life that I cannot describe other than, yeah, God did that. My wife was 26 years old in Missouri, and she was the vice president of a bank. She's a compliance officer, a loan officer. She has a mind for numbers. She came to me and she said, Matt, our financial situation, before we started trying to get out of debt, she said, this doesn't make sense. This does not make sense on paper. And I started to worry. And she came back to me and she goes, you know what? I'm sorry for saying that because... um, I went and got the mail and somebody gave us a hundred bucks. And she, out of her mouth she said, I just need to realize that God doesn't make sense on paper. Watch. We didn't get that hundred bucks from somebody that had a surplus and a deficit. We got that from somebody that had a surplus of knowledge and a surplus of obedience. They just bless us. I have no idea who that was. We have the knowledge, but we must obey and, and, and do what we're supposed to do. If you look on the worship handout, 
Watch this. Verse 25 gets at this. He says, we must apply the information to our lives. Then, then we see the miraculous word that everybody wants to see and everybody wants to hear and everybody wants to experience. Transformation. If you don't believe me, there's a reason that they take before and after pictures from somebody that starts CrossFit or somebody like Insanity. Because everybody wants to see what? They want to see the transformation. What they don't want to do is put in the nine, or nine months or a year of crazy workouts to get like this. Now some people want to look like this. Some people just want their clothes to fit. But we must apply the information. If you want that result that when you work out, you've got to put the sweat in, dude. You've got to pick up that kettlebell. You've got to bench press. You've got to do whatever you're going to do if you want to see that. Spiritually, it is no different. Spiritually, it is no different. God's Word said that we should apply, apply what the Bible says to our lives. What does this help us do? Listen, very, listen. This book shows us how we can watch, relate to people. Help people in need. Show love to a family member that doesn't show love to me. God doesn't make sense on paper. So I've seen God heal relationships in my family. I didn't have a relationship with a person in my family for over 15 years. Completely separated. Didn't talk to them. A huge tragedy happened in my, in my life. I lost somebody in my family. That person out of the goodness of themselves or whatever they wanted to do, came to the funeral and watch, watch, watch. My dad and his two brothers and my family and his family and their family saw her coming to the funeral home and it wasn't this. We went and we hugged that person. And I heard words like, we've missed you so much. We love you so much. Through that huge, terrible, awful experience, God said, hey, you have a surplus of knowledge. You know, how, you know what hurting is. This person's hurting. Have a surplus of obedience. Because of that, I can call that person today. Because of that, that person made, made known to me in October they're going to have surgery. They asked me to pray for them. This is the transformation that God wants to see. God wants you to experience. This is how we can practice living and loving like Jesus is when we apply it. Is this the only book in the New Testament that talks about that? No. Look on the screen. Peter says it too. Verse 16 of 1 Peter chapter 2 it says this. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. We should not use our freedom... To bask in self-indulgence. A lot of people think, hey, I became a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm saved. Whatever church word you want to know, they had a relationship with Jesus, they asked Jesus into their heart. I can do whatever because I'm good. He says, no you can't. Don't use it as an excuse. We're not called to come in, soak up and leave and don't do anything about it. You're called to go out and squeeze out. We're called to obey. In Galatians, Paul writes this. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Listen, he's saying, you who believe in Jesus have been set free from your sins. He has forgiven you. This is a revolutionary concept. This guy was radical. Who is this guy coming in and say he can forgive sin? <laughs> you don't think they had a heyday with him. Who do, you, who do you think you, you're forgiving this guy's sin? How can you do this? Paul writes to the Galatian people. He said, you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve, to squeeze, to pour into, to pour out onto one another in love. Paul tells the church in Galatia the same thing that James and Peter said. You have to obey. Do you know sweeping a floor or cleaning a bathroom is a get-to, not a have-to? Talked to a guy this morning. I gotta do this. Uh, and he looked at me and goes, I get to. Watch. That's, 
him applying the information. And he's not the same. I can tell you a story about that guy from five years ago, and I'm telling you right now, he wouldn't have done that. It's transformation. That's exciting. That's exciting. To show you how exciting it is, last October, I I had the very big honor and privilege to marry a couple in Missouri at the church where Mary and I got married. It was really, really cool. For those of you that like old romantic things, we got married in a church. I can show you pictures. We got married in a church that was built in 1854 and it has wooden pillars and a marble floor. It's beautiful. If you can sing, holy cow, it's the coolest church to sing in on planet earth, I think. It's amazing. But I performed this wedding ceremony. And we did the rehearsal dinner and I did the wedding ceremony the next day. I went to the reception. Went to the reception and I was eating my food. I had a lady that used to work at the college bookstore and she came up to me. She goes, I remember you from college. I go, I'm sorry. <laughs> watch what she said. Watch, watch, watch. She said, and you're a preacher now? <laughs> that was during my rebellion years. I didn't want to do anything that God wanted me to do. And she goes, I can't believe that you're a preacher. I can't believe you can marry people. And I looked at her with as much love as I could say in my voice. And I looked at her very, very intently and I said this. I want you to understand that I don't have to be defined of who I am by my past. Because God transformed me. I was able to apply information in my life to become a new person. Romans 12.2 God transformed me into a new creation by changing the way that I think. Are you a preacher now? I'm so glad that I'm not defined by my past. Do you know that she really got that in a hurry? I didn't say it sharp. I didn't say it mean. She's like, wow. (laughs) Then she goes, well, how's your church? (laughs) Like, well, this conversation changed quickly. We should seek to glorify God by loving others. You should seek to encourage all the time. I seek that out every week. I try to pick somebody different and I try to encourage them. Some of you are sitting, being legalistic here. You're going, well, he hasn't talked to me. <laughs> if I haven't said anything to you, the chances are I've probably said something about you encouraging to someone else. Man, you see the way they're involving themselves in worship. You see the way that they're involving themselves in connection. You see the way they're serving. How cool. We should choose to tell people and to show people that we are not the most important person in the room. We have a visitor come into connection. There should be, there should be people that go, man, I'm going to get up from my seat. I'm going to let them have it. I'm going to get them a bag of popcorn. I'm going to get them a cup of coffee. I've seen that in the last month. I saw a person walk in. A person walks up to him. Hey, there, we have coffee around the corner. Uh, there's popcorn at this window. And, I said, and they said, the, the, it was a husband and a wife. They said the, the female and the, and the male bathrooms are right there. Applying information, that person's transformed. Not the same. Look at your worship handout with me. Fill in the last blank. It says this. Your life will reveal how obedient you are. Your life will reflect what mirror you're using. If you start to apply the information and God uses you as a transformation, and He transforms your life, the chances are this is probably the mirror that you're looking at. You're seeking to be involved in connect group and church. and You're seeking to have your sponge come in here and you're like, holy cow, what kind of water are we going to get today? And you soak it up and you take it to Cracker Barrel. It's like the number one restaurant on Sunday afternoon, I think. It's just always loaded, packed. And you take it to Cracker Barrel. And you squeeze a little bit of water out on your, on your, on your waitress or your waiter. That's what happens. When people see you, what do they see? Are they seeing somebody that comes in, soaks up, and leaves? Somebody that's practicing sanity? We do the same thing, get the same thing? Or are they seeing somebody that steps back, takes the information, applies it to their life, and is being transformed by what God's Word says? Do they see you put others first? Man, Matt, it's all about serving others. 
Welcome to Connection. This is what we do. We serve so we can live and love like Jesus. We exist to connect with God's heart and the hearts of others. Becoming friends with all people as we live and love. Soak in, pour out. Soak in, pour out. It's not about us. We're not the most important person in the world. If it weren't that way, I'd park right there. I don't choose to do that. I choose to park back here. Listen, if you have, if you have trouble walking, you trouble, man, stop right there. We have people right there with an umbrella to help you walk right inside. Park right there. You do it. It's not about me. I'll park back here. I can walk. Your life will reveal whether you look into the mirror or you sit in church and listen. Or if you look into God's word and obey what it says. Those are two different things. We have a surplus of knowledge, but a deficit of obedience. God is seeking connections people. Man, there's some exciting stuff in the future. And he is looking to God, to connections people, and he's saying, man. So you're sitting there going, hmm, I do have this knowledge. Some of you are doing this, okay? Don't get me wrong. If you're doing this, awesome. Some of you are like, hmm, I have this I have this information. Maybe somebody's put into you. Maybe somebody's mentored you. Your turn. Your turn. God seeks for his people to be obedient. Don't answer this, but how can we be more obedient this week? See, the number, the number one thing that if we look into this mirror to see what it reflects, the number one thing of obedience that, that the New Testament echoes the Old Testament about is God says this. I want you to be obedient in what I tell you to do. I want you to be obedient in following Jesus Christ. Then, then we'll learn how to apply the information to become a transformed new person. I invite you to seek this dude we call Jesus. This biblical, literal rock star. Everywhere he went, people followed him. Everywhere he went, people wanted to touch him. They wanted to touch him. He applied the information so much that, listen, we're told about a lady in the New Testament that merely reached out and touched him because she said, if I can just touch that guy. There's people in this world that are reaching out to touch somebody that's real. How obedient will you be this week? I encourage you, be obedient to what this Bible says. Follow Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you so much that you don't give up on us. I thank you, God, that we, as a group of people, are not defined by our past. And that you have chosen to transform our life. God, let us be sponges today. Let us soak up what we've learned. And as we leave this door, God, I just ask that we just squeeze out this week. And after we get done squeezing out, we come back and we get some more next week. God, let us live in love for you. Let us serve people this week. In your name we pray. Amen.